With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Yeelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 65th official episode. We're back in person. I'm hype. It's good to be back. You're hype. Today we're talking about the biggest X factor for every bubble team going into the NBA playoff bubble. We pretty much took it player by player basis. And for, for the bottom teams, we were like, okay, this is what th- this will have to go right for them to make the playoffs. This will have to go right to get past the first round. And for mm-hmm. the upper echelon teams, it had to, for me, it had to get much more specific because they're already so good. So yeah, it's like, yeah. what has to go right for them to win a championship? True, true. Yeah, I, I guess I saw this, like, in, in some cases, it's like, obviously this team's not going to win the championship. So what are they, what are they, what's the real, like, key to their bubble success for them seeing this bubble as a win? Um, and I, I guess I should preface this by saying, like, I did all, all players. I did, like, in player X Factor. Because this is sort of based off of Bleacher Report did an article very recently doing the same sort of thing. And this sort of this episode is sort of inspired by that. Um, whereas you did a little bit more both players and ideas, right? So, obviously, the Rockets... Uh, like the real X factor for the Rock is just like they hit their threes. Now we're not gonna say that, but that could you know that could be because like, duh. Because yeah, of course, um, that, that's not shocking to anybody. But yeah, that's an example. But I'll start it off. I'm doing the East. You're doing the West. We'll, we'll react to each other, talk it out. But starting off, top of the East, number one seed. Um, this was what Bleacher Report called the most obvious choice on the list. And this is what I said. You're wrong. So so I have Eric Bledsoe. I'm agreeing with Bleacher Report. I. To me, um, I, I mean, in case you're not aware, the the obvious choice is like, okay, Giannis is going to pl- have to play well. But, like, he's going to play well. He's Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the NBA. He showed up for the playoffs last year. I'm not worried about that. Chris Middleton, people say, okay, he's the second best player on the team. You're going to need him to really show up in the playoffs and be a solid 20-point-per-game scorer and real threat both in the, on both sides of the ball for the Bucks to do anything. I'm saying, okay, Chris Milton's going to affect the ball even if his shot's not going in because he's an elite defender. Whereas, there are stretches in each of the last two seasons, in the, in the postseason, where Eric Bledsoe has been almost unplayable because he's shooting 35% from the field. Like, in last year's playoffs, it was like 35% from the field. I, I'm not sure that you... It, it, it's kind of ridiculous that we're talking about a guy going from shooting like 48% from the field in the regular season to shooting 35% from the field. But that's the drop-off that we've seen from Eric Bledsoe. And so if he continues the narrative of being a choker in the playoffs this season, there are going to be times when when they're going to have to basically just take out Eric Bledsoe in, in crunch time minutes and put in George Hill. And I know that your argument is probably going to be, well, George Hill's been amazing this season. George Hill is shooting 48% from three yeah, and 55% from the he's field. He's a sniper, and he's a baller in 2K. So. The problem is what you lose when you put in George Hill is not the shooting because he's a better shooter this season, at least, than, than Eric Bledsoe is. The problem is that you lose some playmaking, some defense, some general like court awareness. Eric Bledsoe is a better all-around player than George Hill, even if George Hill spaces the floor out better for Giannis. Okay, but I think, I think spacing the floor out better for Giannis is pretty much the best thing you can do for your offense. As opposed to like 
Like, yeah, they're just like, oh, okay, Eric Bledsoe is on the floor. Let's have Giannis be the only playmaker. But the uh, Eric Bledsoe is a huge reason, and I think a very underrated reason, why the Milwaukee Bucks are, like, the best defensive team in the NBA. Sure, Brooke Lopez is going to win, is going to be an all-defensive player this year, probably, because of his rim protection. Sure, Giannis could win um, Depoy this year. But you have to respect the fact that Eric Bledsoe is an is like a fringe all-star point guard this this he was this season um and and it's not just because of his scoring he's only averaging like 15 16 points per game it's because it's because his he's putting up he's playing a very important role on the very best team in the nba and sometimes that goes under the radar but if he is missing because you're putting in george hill because he just goes ice cold during the playoffs the bucks are going to like really really miss what eric Bledsoe has brought okay yeah he he brings a lot but i think Mm -hmm. In, in the playoffs, things slow down, you take more contested shots, and I think for that, pretty much everyone's role besides Chris Middleton and Giannis kind of goes into the, kind of goes into like all together like, oh, that's a, a secondary problem. For me, since Giannis can't shoot, I think the most important thing has to be Chris Middleton's shot making ability. And also, let's say, let's say Eric Bledsoe does go cold, uh, yeah. let, let's say Bucks aren't hitting their shots, or they're just they're just playing like the Miami Heat, who has so many good defenders. Then I think the problem is, okay, Giannis can't make a contested mid range. He can't make a contested three. You're gonna have to shoot some threes. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to get some buckets. That's where Chris Middleton shows up, and and he's been he's been phenomenal all season. So you might you might say there's no way up from here, right? I think mm-hmm. worst case scenario, you just get Chris Middleton shooting three more shots Here, a game. Here's the thing: is I'm not going to argue with you that that Eric Bledsoe is more important than Chris Middleton because he's not. Chris Middleton is the second best player in this team. Eric Bledsoe is the third. All that I'm saying is that Eric Bledsoe's play this postseason is much more of a question mark to me. It's a question. It's way less reliable. So the X factor is that we don't know what Eric Bledsoe is going to be in the playoffs. You can't afford, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, to go to the finals against the Lakers and not have your third best player on the court. But I, I think That's it's, what I'm I saying. think if everything stays the same, everything stays stagnant, except mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe just plays like he has for the rest of the season. For the but rest of the season, the problem is they won't win the finals. I think if Chris Middleton all of a sudden just averages like 24 a game, they could win the finals. I, I might, I might take the, I might take the Bucks as the favorite to win the championship if Eric Bledsoe plays the way that he has all right, all regular season. If he doesn't fall off, I think the Bucks are the team to beat in the NBA. That's my opinion. So that's to me, that's the X factor is Eric Bledsoe, when he's playing as a 16-point-per-game scorer, shooting 48% from the field, and, one of, and, a, and a very, very solid perimeter defender, and, and then you have Eric Bledsoe as sort of a plug-and-play three-point shooter off the bench as your backup, that's a much harder... Bucks team to stop in, in my opinion I think that's the team to beat okay so just for this Bucks team they've been the best offense all year mm-hmm. they score 50 points per game when Giannis is off the floor every game okay so the question is where is that coming from and personally I think Budenholzer is maybe the best coach in the NBA one of the best coaches in the NBA he's gonna stagger the minutes right he's gonna stagger the minutes between mm-hmm. your best score Giannis and your second best score Chris Middleton so I think as long as they keep up that 50 points per game, no one's stopping them in the East. No one. And so the question is, how do you get those 50 points? I think the, I think the most actually... clear, concrete answer is Chris Middleton because like his usage rate went, has gone up from like last year was like 24%. This year it's 26%. He kept the same efficiency. He got more efficient. And he's, he's, uh, he's ISOing more. He's taking more dribbles per possession when he scores. 
I think he has the capacity to to increase his volume just based off of what, what Dude, I see from the numbers. All I'm saying is I don't have any question about how Chris Middleton's going to play in the playoffs. Like, yeah, that's exactly what he's going to bring. And so he's going to be great in the playoffs. That doesn't make him an X factor. That makes him what he has been all regular season, which is an all-star and near 20-point-per-game score. That's not a question to me. So it's not an X factor because it's not the key to the Bucks' success. It's a given. I think it's the key to the Bucks' championship because okay. because you, you can't have a championship unless you're like Dirk where you just have one guy playing great and the other guy's averaging high teens. The, and then to also to respond to your 50 points per game when Giannis is off the floor thing, Giannis also is playing like 27 minutes per game this season. That's been a trend because the Bucks have been blowing teams out. That's not going to be the case anymore in the playoffs. They've been running him like that, that few minutes per game because – they haven't been in close games, and in so they've been blowing teams out. When it gets to the playoffs, and you're in, you know, a seven-game series, like you're gonna have more hard-fought, down-to-the-wire games where Giannis is gonna be playing 35, 40, 45 minutes, right? So, I, I think that all of a sudden the, the points when Giannis is off the floor become a lot less important. Let's move on to the Toronto Raptors, though. Um, for this one, I got Marcus Saul. Um, to me, this is this. This is this this made the most sense because, once again, like Pascal Siakam's the best player in the team, sure, and and so of course he, his play is going to be important to the Raptors. But I think that we know what Pascal Siakam is going to bring more or less. One of the most important and underrated parts of the Toronto Raptors championship run last year, to me, because obviously you have Kawhi Leonard and obviously you had Pascal Siakam, obviously you have Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet hit big shots. The most important part to me was Marcus. The most the most like underrated part to me was Marcus. His defense as the anchor of this team, was unreal, right? And, and so if you remember when we did the top 10 centers ranking at the beginning of the year, I had Marc Gasol, I think, a lot higher than a lot, than, people, than other people would have. Yeah, And, I and he that. hasn't really shown that. this season, this regular season, what, what yeah, he, hasn't. he hasn't backed up my, like, yeah. he was 10th or whatever, or you're like 8th or whatever I put injured, him. He's been injured, but still. He hasn't played that many games, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at his numbers and be like, okay, 7 points per game, that's a top 10 center in the NBA. Definitely not. So... And he's also shooting only 42% from the field this year, which is low. It's super low for a center, but you also, like, he's never really been a super efficient guy. Like, he's never shot over, like, 55% from the field at any point in his career, really. And part of that is because he takes a lot of, you know, like, mid-rangers, three-pointers. Like, he, he, he's not just around the basket. Um, and he brings a lot more offensively, you know, through his playmaking things than just, you know, scoring in the paint. But um, if he can emulate what he did in last year's playoffs is just being one of the most fundamentally sound defensive anchors in the NBA it's going to be really damn hard to score on the Raptors whether you know they go up against Giannis or you know whoever whatever big man whatever guy in the paint they have to stop right if it's like Bam and Jimmy against the Heat if it's Sabonis and Miles Turner against the Pacers if it's Jokic or AD if they make it to the final or something like that like whatever or whatever you know, big man that they run into. We know that Marcus Saul is probably going to have to be the one that slows them down around the basket. You just, I, I, I see that as is when it, when the game slows down in the playoffs, the, the guys who are going to be able to get to the rim are, are going to be important, right? That's going to be your go-to, the sort of like old reliable. But and, I, and I, I, I would Marcus argue is the stopper for that. I would argue that Pascal Siakam would probably probably be guarding Giannis. And Giannis is probably the biggest threat to this team. Well, obviously, it takes a team to guard Giannis. I guess is my point. And, and so Pascal Siakam gets the gets the assignment, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like Marcus Saul is going to be really also guard. It's kind of going to be like Marcus Saul is also guarding Giannis because 
Marcus All at the end of the day is kind of guarding the whole team. Is is I guess what I'm saying. Marcus All is is gonna have to be sort of like in the paint ready for whatever comes at it. Um, and then also like if he's hitting his threes, if he's like like I, you could see situations where people are like, okay, Marcus All's old. He might be the weakest you know player on the court. If you let like, him shoot. Like, shoot, shooting forty percent from three on so, three point five. So that's what attempts. I'm saying. It's like if 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 somebody's daring Marcus All to shoot, he can make them pay. Um, By the way, I, I was looking, I was looking at their basketball reference. I was like, okay, like I see the Marcus All thing, but I was like, man, like they need to just have their guards like make their shots because like I don't know how many like shot makers they have on this team, like who can create their own shot. This team is ridiculously yeah. efficient. Like yeah, my yeah. God! Well, that's like, that's why the, this one's a little bit tricky. Is is everybody in this team is super reliable, great, yes. like great on both ends of the floor. So it's like it's you don't so have funny. you don't have that streaky guy that's like okay, this guy this guy's play could break or you know the, these make are, the, the team. These success. are all like like thirty nine percent three point shooters on like pretty high attempts. Like Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, Terrence Davis, Marc Gasol, OG, Serge Ibaka. That's more than most teams have. Yeah. Yeah, and, and not then to also mention Kyle Lowry and Pascal. So, so one one criticism that I will make of my own pick here is that Serge Ibaka has actually been better than Marcus Gasol this been season. Better. Definitely been better. Definitely So so maybe you say, well, who cares if Marcus Gasol is not that good because you can just play Serge Ibaka. Fair enough point. Um, I guess the the counter argument is like, well, you're not going to pick Kyle Lowry or Fred VanVleet because you could just say that, well, the other ones got it if they don't. You know, like if, if Kyle Lowry's not taking shots, then here's Fred VanVleet. Um, so the Raptors are a tricky one because I think that it's such a, a solid, deep, well-rounded team, um, and, and they're just hella consistent. Um, but I guess I'll jump over to the Celtics now. This one I got Marcus Smart. Um, huh. I, I guess why? Because like the the shot making ability, the defense. It's well. First of all, his, his defensively, the Celtics are gonna try try to hide Kemba Walker. When it comes down to the playoffs, we haven't really seen Kemba in the playoffs that much. But as, as a six-one point guard, that is definitely not known for his defensive prowess they're going to try to hide him a lot and so i think that you're going to see marcus smart taking on a pretty big load where i mean kemba's kemba's going to make up for it on the offensive end we know that but that still doesn't help the fact that like on the defensive end teams are going to look for switches and they're going to try to attack kemba he's the weakest defensive player on the court and 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 you can also say like okay daniel tice like their center rotation is not very good so like but is Daniel Tice really gonna make or break the run? I don't. I don't think so. Like, I think if he just like, is like okay. I, yeah, I think like, he's just he's playing the Kevon Looney role. He, yeah, exactly. Daniel Tice is never gonna explode and have a huge mm-hmm. game, so he's not the X factor. I don't think. Whereas, Marcus Smart is gonna play a very important role defensively, obviously, but he's also a streaky shooter that can be trigger happy at times. It's pretty scary to be relying very heavily, um, playing big minutes, going into the playoffs as you know one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference as a serious contender. And in your like starting shooting guard maybe or like you know coming off the bench I don't know whatever the whatever the rotations look like he's shooting like thirty six percent from the field this season and he's like really he, last season he shot like forty two percent from the field every season of his career he's basically been like 36 percent from the field huh. it's a little bit scary that maybe is I think scary. I, sorry it's thirty eight percent from the field this year I have in my notes but yeah his efficient his efficiency field rating is the worst on the Celtics yeah for whoever gets minutes so I guess this is another tricky one because I think that. Kemba, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward are all super reliable offensively. I'm a little bit nervous that if you dare Marcus Smart to like take long threes off the dribble or whatever, that he actually will, and they're not going to go in. <laughs> that's what scares me a little bit. That makes sense. Um, and so that's I, like I think I I really like the Celtics team, but I think that like Marcus Smart on the offensive end scares me a little bit. 
Um, yeah, I I, now, I I do think like this. It, it's bad to pick the best player as yeah. like an X factor, but I think the only way this team, eh, I, I don't know, because like, like they're good, but I feel like their path to the conference finals is if Jason Tatum averages like twenty seven a game. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, now now you could you could also you could say he's an X factor. Like okay, the X factor is Jason Tatum plays the way that he like finished off the season where he was absolutely exploding. Right, whereas he plays the way he did the first half of the season, like they're not. Of course, going he's go great. Far. Of course, he's an all star, but they're, like they're not going far. Yeah, exactly. There's not. Um, and then you could also say the X factor if you're going with an idea versus a player. The idea of like they don't get killed by other centers, like Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor, like hold their own. But I don't like like how do you put that into words? Like that center don't be bad. Their center rotation is scary, right? Yes. And it, it would have been ideal if they had made a move at a trade at the trade deadline to get like a clint capella or something like that but you know they didn't so i don't know what to tell you yeah um okay um, miami heat i got kendrick nunn kendrick nunn, interesting I, for for me i always see kendrick nunn as like he's always just gonna be like a, mm-hmm. a good bench player well, you nothing more nothing less the, the, so the, so a the, non-factor the thing is, Kendrick Nunn has started basically every game for the Heat this season, and he has been, um, if you look on NBA.com, you know, like, the, the best lineups. Kendrick Nunn is in basically all of them. As good as Goran Dragic has been off the bench for the Heat, he's not featured in nearly as many of the Heat's best lineups as Kendrick Nunn is. Um, now, I didn't go super deep into the advanced stats, but basically the Heat are very good when Kendrick Nunn is on the floor. I'm a little bit worried um, that you're running Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, who are, like, undrafted rookies who are like 24 years old like they just don't have that much experience and you're relying very heavily on that so to have a rookie undrafted point guard with no playoff experience score that's been scoring 16 points per game all season you're like you're relying pretty heavily on Kendrick Nunn and I get that you have Goran Dragic as a backup but who's averaging just as many points yeah yeah but but at the same time this 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 heat team it has a like a next man up mentality which I think will work to their benefit in the in the playoffs, right? So it's kind of hard to pick any one player to be an X factor because if somebody's having an off game, like here comes the next guy. That's kind of how the Heat have run it all season, and so I think that it's like it's hard to pick one player to be the X factor. But I'm sort of picking Kendrick Nunn here because I think that lack of experience, we haven't seen him in the big moments that much, um, and as great as he's been all season, like I'm not sure we should be like totally convinced that like he's still going to be the same player that we saw for 60 games this season um, because he kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting it. So, like, maybe he just lost the hot hand or something like that. Like, there's there's always a chance that, like, Kendrick Nunn just falls off a cliff in the playoffs. And so because there is that chance and he's been their starting point guard and he, like, he like replaced Goran Dragic in the starting lineup, like, that's a big deal. I'm a little bit nervous about Kendrick yeah, Nunn. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. I, I just think that he's been pretty reliable. Yep. And I, I think what he brings is replaceable. So, like, it's True. not. It's not like he's clamping the other team. True. And so the the other the other like maybe X factor you would say is Iggy. I was about uh, that. That's mine. The yes. only reason I don't have Andre Iguodala is I'm already kind of counting him out as like showing up huge in the playoffs. He was really. He was just really. I'm a doubter. I'm a doubter. You're you're doubting Iggy. I'm doubting Iggy. Me, I am as well. So so, I'm not picking Iggy as the X factor because I don't really see it as likely at all that Iggy steps up big. If oh, I, saw, I thought you were saying the opposite. No, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so okay. I'm saying I'm a doubter of Iggy, and Same. if if I thought that there was a higher chance, like if I thought it was like 50-50 that Iggy is going to be like playing huge minutes, and he's going to get like the Giannis assignment or something, I'd be like, well, yeah, Iggy's the X-Actor. <laughs> but 
But, like, Leisure Point has E is the X Factor, and he averaged, like, four points per game and, like, wasn't yeah. getting minutes. And so it's, like, is he really after, like, like you know, a year or two of not playing basketball or whatever? Like, I don't know. Is he going to, like, all of a sudden come back? Like, he's barely played this season. Is he going to all of a sudden come back and be the defining player on a championship team? I really don't think so. I don't think or, so. I, I guess I shouldn't say championship team, but on whatever run the Heat have, Honestly, I really there's don't think no so. reason this Heat team... I like. I would not be surprised if they made the conference finals, just because Jimmy Butler is a phenomenal playoff player, mm-hmm. and because the, just the supporting roster, it's so beautiful. It's it's it like is. it's Bucks esque, yeah. In terms of just and and even Raptors esque in terms of just the aesthetic of like oh like they everyone can shoot, everyone can defend, they can switch. Everyone's pretty tall. They, they freaking brought in Jay Crowder, who's a sniper this season from three and who's like 6'8". Mm-hmm. I love that move, by the way. That move's getting so underrated. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I, I did not have them in the playoffs because I was dumb. But, <laughs> but I, I, I remember that. They're, they're my sleeper, I would you say. You also, you like had the Raptors like barely making it or something too. You were like, you really doubted Pascal Malcolm as a 20 I totally score. doubted him as like a 25 point per game score. <laughs> <laughs> what is this kid All talking right. about? Here we go. Um, Indiana Pacers up next. This one I got T.J. Warren. Um, yeah, I, I got T. I got T.J. Warren too, just because I feel like he's the biggest potential to be like a ISO scorer. True. I, I, mostly, I just picked T.J. Warren because Jeremy Lamb and Victor Oladipo are out, and so with a lot less wing depth than we saw the Pacers have throughout most of the season, um, I see it. I see a bigger load going on T.J. Warren than perhaps we would have expected when they announced that the bubble was happening, right? So, uh, I, like, I, I think that, that obviously, DeMontis Monas, Miles Turner are important, but you kind of have the other one. And, and then, like, I, so I see T.J. Warren as, like, and then you have Malcolm Brogdon and, like, Aaron Holiday. Like, okay. I see T.J. Warren as the one who has to take the biggest jump um, to sort of, like, make up for the for the other guys being missing. Yeah. Although, I would, I would love to see Malcolm Brogdon just, like, average, like, 24. That would just be that would be so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fun. I don't I don't really see this happening. Um, I, I he know, was the volume. He started he started off a lot hotter this season than he finished off. Um, in terms I'm, of like oh, I'm he, still ride or die with the most improved player. <laughs> still ride or die. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Uh, and this is actually a fun fact. This is the only positive net rating season of T.J. Warren's career. Good Official for him. T. Jesus. Um. All right, but I don't think there's that much more to be said oh, there. La- last thing. As of now, another reason T.J. Warren is the X Factor is because right now the four-five matchup is Heat versus I, Pacers. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so the Jimmy Butler versus T.J. Warren thing—that was like the cherry yes. on top. It just made sense. Yes, um, they have huge beef, like very huge. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting because could he get in Jimmy's head? It'll all be a storyline. Um, for the Sixers, I have no idea. I have this no one, idea. this one, I had to break the golden rule of X Factor, the like unwritten one, which is like no, you don't say the star player. Joel Embiid is the X Factor. I'm not gonna, I wouldn't do that for any other team. You can't not say Joel Embiid for the 76ers. I'm sorry. Every, literally everything will fall on Joel Embiid's shoulders. This team could go ahead and win the finals, or they could be eliminated in the first round, and it will all depend on what Joel Embiid does. I, I, and I don't know what else to tell you. Like you had a thing of the like, how often do you get good Joel Embiid? That's I, so. So we could we I could talk all day about like you could talk about all day about who's the best there in the NBA. I will 
stick with, I'll stick with my guns. Jokic is the best center in the NBA, even though on his best day, Joel Embiid is the best center in the NBA. Because how often do you see peak Joel Embiid is my point. Now, you have to give him credit that he's still putting up very impressive numbers this season, despite I don't think you see peak Joel Embiid all that frequently, right? Um, yep. And so, like, so clearly, like, mediocre Joel Embiid is still damn good. Like, I'm not going to argue against that. But I think that on his very best day, Joel Embiid is, like, there's very, like, he's, he's an unstoppable force, really. And, and so he can be the best player in any skating game, series, playoffs, whatever, if he's really locked in. I think that the current situation only elevates questions about whether he'll really be locked in. Right, And then you also have to just hope that he stays healthy because it's a legitimate risk every time Joel Embiid steps in the court is that he could fall apart. Like like something like... <laughs> Why, you got to violate <laughs> So, <laughs> sorry, Joel. Um, but I'm a little bit worried that like either he, either like he won't be locked in, he won't be, you know, he won't be healthy, whatever, like when it, com- when it comes down to it. But if he is, the 76ers are a really serious threat to make it all the way to the finals. Um, I don't think they would win, but they could. Um, Next up is the Brooklyn Nets. Can I let me say let me <laughs> oh, say one final okay. thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Al Horford would be the other pick for the for the 76ers, yeah. but I'm sort of pulling the Iggy card, where like I don't think that Al Horford's going to come back and like totally surprise us. I'm pretty I'm pretty doubtful on like the, the Al Horford like making like a huge comeback. Um, he they signed him just to be the Giannis stopper. Yeah, and, and so and so we sort of been waiting all season, saying like, well, maybe he'll be good in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to like all of a sudden one eighty and be great in the playoffs. So I'm not picking I'm not picking Al Horford, though I respect it if he do. Brooklyn Nets, as you said, this um, team is so funny. <laughs> like, like it's just like the eight the. the the seven eight nine <laughs> seeds in the East like. If if something I was gonna digging play... deep for these, <laughs> I was digging deep for these. Ones. If if something were to happen to make it a one to sixteen seeding, as mm-hmm. in like get rid of eight teams from the east and eight teams from the west, this would be it. Just this season, just yeah, looking yeah, at yeah, yeah. looking at two two teams and a third that almost made it into the playoffs from the east, three teams that are horrible. Yep. Like like actively bad. Like they would be in the west. They'd probably be like the the 12th 13th yeah. seeds yeah like well, it, it's disgusting because the brooklyn nets they don't have katie Kyrie, uh deandre jordan wilson chandler it's they like signed michael beasley and then he was out like two days later like with coronavirus it's been a mess but that's that that's why i'm left with karis levert for the brooklyn nets he's gone from being like the third fourth best guy on the roster to being the number one guy um it, it like kind of overnight uh well, well i i'd say third fourth best like counting katie deandre yeah. Jordan, whatever, like spencer dimley i think spencer i think i don't think spencer dimley's playing is he i think he is oh he is i think so, so I, I think that karis lever could actually surprise people because he can put up points in bunches he dropped yeah, he yeah. dropped 50 earlier this year well that's so that's the thing is like essentially we're just going to see karis lever with a lot more scoring opportunity and so we could like i don't think the nets are going to do anything like they're probably going to still maintain their like lead over the magic and the wizards um but like they're they're it's just to get eliminated in the first round by the raptors right yeah there's there's no way they they get out of it yeah but 
I mean, it'll be interesting for at least, you know, the at least eight games that they play to see Karis Levert um, in, in a, with a lot more scoring opportunity because we could see this offseason Karis Levert get moved to make more room for, you know, uh, the, the KD, Kyrie, Spencer, Dimwitty, Ant plus whoever. Plus insert all-star. And, and that would probably be like a defensive-minded guy because you've got a lot of scoring there. Um, but that's, that's sort of been rumors is like they might move Karis Levert. Yeah, so for the bottom of the conference, because there's just, there's nothing they can do to get out of the first round. Yeah, so, so it's <laughs> basically, they can do. <laughs> it's more so just like seeing Karis Levert go off will probably be interesting, yeah. um, is, is this really it. For the Orlando Magic, I have Aaron Gordon for a little bit of, of similar reasons. Um, Aaron Gordon is, has suffered this season, and, and I'm sort of ripping off, by the way, Bleacher Report's reasoning for this one because the Orlando Magic were really hard. Um, <laughs> what they basically said is that, and ever, this is obvious, but the, the Orlando Magic's front court is super overcrowded, right? There just aren't enough minutes to go around for Mo Bamba, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. Like, they just... There's too many people in the front court that, and not enough minutes to go around. And so it's pretty likely that either Aaron Gordon or Nikola Vucevic is going to get moved. If Aaron Gordon really surprises us this bubble, he could be the guy that the Orlando Magic decide to keep next to Nikola Vucevic, or sorry, next to like Jonathan Isaac um, and, and build around for the future. Whereas if he really disappoints, they might stick with Vucevic and be like, okay, we don't yet have the young core we would like to have to trade away our current star, a guy who's a fringe all-star. Um, so, based on his performance in these eight games, because the Orlando Magic probably won't make the playoffs, um, Aaron Gordon, I think, could sort of like... Aaron Gordon's performance could decide whether they keep him or trade him this offseason. That's the Bleacher Report reasoning that I agree with. Um, I, I'm guessing you don't really have much to say on that. I, I don't. Because the problem with the bottom teams is, like, even in the West, it's like, oh, this is what they have to do to make the eight seed. Yep. But yep. but for the East, there's only one other team who's not in the playoffs right now, and they're mm-hmm. probably not going to. Yeah. So it's it's not really that notable. Let's get the Wizards. The Wizards, the Wizards last up. This one I just went with Rudy Hachimura. Um, kind of the Karis Levert thing where it's like, I don't think Bradley Beal is playing in the bubble, so um, no. So you just are going to see Rui Na- take a lot of shots, is, I think. Neither is Davis Bertans. So yeah. That's more, that's more minutes. So it's just like <laughs> there's a lot of shots to go around all of a sudden for the Washington Wizards, and I think that Rui Hashimura, rookie from, uh, r- rookie from Japan, obviously, he's averaging like 13 points per game. I, like, I don't know. Like, could he be like an 18-point-per-game guy for these eight games? I think so. Um, so I don't know. I, I I'd like to see him show some flashes, and that's kind of the only thing I can say about the Wizards because they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. So calling him an X factor is definitely a stretch, but I don't know what else to, uh, you would say. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Starting from this the, is where you take over. Starting from the top of the rankings with the Lakers, and I'm going to stay true to the jersey in that the X factor is what to do when this guy's off the floor. I, I know mm-hmm. everyone talks about okay. it. Everyone's like, okay. Um, like, like, the Lakers are good with LeBron, they're bad when LeBron leaves. That makes sense, because he's LeBron. However, I don't think they understand how drastic this is. Like, let's go to offensive rating. Uh, like, that's basically how many points you put up per 100 possessions. So, when LeBron's on the floor, their offense is at 113. So, 113 points per 100 mm-hmm. possessions. That is quite good. Yeah. That, that, is, that is good. Yeah. 
when LeBron James is off the floor, it drops to 105. Yeah, that, that, obviously not as good. Again, no, uh, worst on the team. Yeah. Worst on the team when when he's off the floor. Well, that, and that's also the difference between being like a top five and a bottom five, like off yeah, the yeah, rating or whatever. Yeah, and like if you just compared that to and, like an average team, and to a lesser extent, but still still the same. When LeBron is off the court, they're they're a worse defense. When LeBron is off the court, their defensive rating is one hundred six, and you want a defensive rating to be low. Mm-hmm. When he's on the court, it's one hundred three. So bottom line, the the defense is better with him on the court. The offense is much better with him on the court, and and that's that's honestly. It's not quite the same with Anthony Davis. The the, the yeah, net rating yeah. there on offense is only like two instead of like six, right? Yep. So, to me, that's saying LeBron LeBron's nowhere near the X factor because you're just gonna get LeBron. It's it's the thing where they're gonna score like I don't know like fifty something points when LeBron's off the court. What do you do with that? And so, the X factor is. One, how will they stagger the minutes? Mm-hmm. Because I think you need to have Anthony Davis in every minute that LeBron is off the court. That that's a given. And secondly, for for the X factor for the Lakers, it's well, what will they do to win the ring, right? Because, aka, what will they do to beat the Clippers, and then what will they do to beat the Bucks? Th- that's it. So, I think you the answer is Alpha Davis. Like AD Alpha Davis because <laughs> <laughs> okay you have some explaining to do I don't know yes. what that means yes because honestly there are times out there when you when you watch the Lakers without LeBron and like Anthony Davis like gets his first touch with like seven seconds left in the shot clock yeah and that that's absolutely horrible every single possession with LeBron off the court AD should AD the the offense should run strictly through Anthony Davis. Because well, when yeah, when I, he's on his own team on the Pelicans, he's dropping thirty a game. And for the Lakers, yeah, he's good. He gives you defense, and he's he's a top he's a top like eight player. We all know that. But I feel like the Lakers are still they're refusing to just hammer it to Anthony Davis every single time. And when you're playing the Clippers, who has who has like a a six eight Montrez Harrell and like a and Zubac, who's like very actually not good on defense, then. Alpha Davis is the answer. So I think your X factor is kind of like Frank Vogel. What are his rotations going to be like? Uh, like you know, it's kind of it's it's not like will Anthony Davis play good because of course Anthony yeah. Davis play good. It's just about the it's about the usage. And, yeah. It's about the usage. Yep, that makes sense. I I had in my head KCP, um, Davis Caldwell Pope is my X factor because no Rondo and no Avery Bradley is going to mean more sort of like guard slash wing minutes to go around. Um, so. I, I see KCP, Danny Green, and Alex Caruso being sort of like the, the really the three that are going to get buffed because obviously you added Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. I don't really think that they're going to get huge minutes. Maybe I'll be wrong, um, but like I don't think J.R. Smith's going to be the X factor. I don't think we're going to see him getting fed a lot of like open three pointer looks because because he's not going to get that many minutes. I don't think. Agreed. But Contavious Caldwell Pope has been awesome for the Lakers this season in terms of his efficiency, his defense, um, and, and we know that Danny Green steps up when it matters most champion last year with the Raptors. So I, I don't think he's, you know, and he was also with the Bleacher Reports pick, so I wanted to be a little bit different. But I'm going to go with KCP, although I think what you're saying makes sense. Also, I will say, net rating, that's that's basically mm-hmm. difference between offensive rating and defensive rating. LeBron James has the highest on the team with 10.3. Yeah. Tied with Alex Caruso. Wow. Tied. Like, which is, wow. by the way, the best in the league. 
Alex Caruso <laughs> has the best net rating in the league. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah, the Lakers are really good with Alex Caruso on the floor. Short, Obviously. Long, long story short. Goat Russo. All right, give me your give me your pick for the Clippers. Okay, for the Clippers. Okay, yeah, for for these top teams, it's less about like will this player play good because they're at the top of the standings for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're gonna play good. So it's more just about play style for me. And yeah. again, for the for the Clippers, what is the, what does their X fact, X factor mean? It's what should happen for them to beat the Lakers and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So, with that, I think it their one weakness has or they have two weaknesses. I guess one week one weakness is like their passing, but I don't, I don't know how to fix that. Like like pass yeah, the ball, yeah. pass the ball well. So you would need you would need yeah. an added player, not yeah, yeah play style change. So besides passing, I think their biggest weakness has to be interior defense exactly and you're going up against maybe the two best interior players in anthony davis and against Giannis antetokounmpo Mm -hmm. so with that i think the most logical way is okay do whatever you can to fix your interior defense because otherwise you're you're gonna lose if anthony davis goes off so i i think the best way to do that is just you have Kawhi and paul george just being locked down defenders like if Anthony Davis gets in the high post or low post, you just send a guy down and hope yep. Car- and hope Caruso makes a three, right? Swarming defense, Sw- like, yeah. I, preferably like doubling down you in just, the post. You gotta hope that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can make up for it in the lanes, but yeah, swarming defense and, and even like Patrick Beverly, but yeah, yeah, just be a pest, a hundred percent. Anthony Davis can never feel comfortable yep. because he he if he turns one shoulder, Kawhi Leonard's gonna be doubling. Yeah, on the other shoulder. I, I, I for the same reason picked Montrezl Harrell as my like player X factor um, for the for the Western Conference or sorry for the Clippers um, because obviously I, two things. Well, one is that he sucks on defense. That's just that way that it is. But the second thing is he's a high energy player, and so a lot of his value is that he comes off the bench, plays in like a few minute spurt, brings a lot of energy, he gets some gets some like big plays, and then comes back off. So he's not really the kind of guy that you want to leave on the court for long stretches of time because then he gets tired and there goes his high energy plays and all of a sudden he's a lot less valuable. Um, so you're going to have, who's probably one of the better players in the Clippers roster, not actually being able to play that big of minutes. Um, and, and so in the playoffs, that could actually hurt them a little bit. Now then you rely heavily, more heavily on Zubac, um, who's probably a little bit better than Madrid Stadel defensively because he's less undersized, um, but still not very good. Um but yeah, I guess it's what I have for, for the Clippers. You have to get that specific because yeah. honestly, they have everything They're else. So good. They have everything yeah. else going for them. There's of no course. reason, on paper, there's no reason they shouldn't win the title. Mm-hmm. But just the other team best player might be better than your best player, or the other yeah. team second best player might be better than your second best player, and that's sometimes what it comes down to in the playoffs. Right. But next up, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, this was this was fun for me. I I did two. Okay. I have a, I have a floor raiser. Because honestly, for most teams, you don't you don't really need that. Because but this Denver Nuggets team has been so inconsistent. They om- yeah. they almost lost as the two seed to the seven seed Spurs last year, yep. and they they barely scraped by. And then they lost to to I think the, the three who were the three seed. They lost the Trailblazers, and it just it's like okay, like it, Jokic might not be able to get buckets for himself. Um, mm-hmm. So so like who's gonna be that guy to like actually make sure like. Give them a little extra boost. Make sure that they are like firm, and they live up to their three seed. And yep. for me, that guy's Paul Millsap, because okay. I think he he's just gonna be wreaking havoc on both ends. I think yeah. I think because if you, if you go down the rotation, of course Jokic has to play good. Of course Jamal Murray has to play good. I, I, I almost did if Jamal Murray just 
comes out here and just starts hitting shots, then they're going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're playing in a conference that has LeBron, that has Kawhi and Paul George, even that has, uh, I guess not Donovan Mitchell, but like just in a conference where there's so many great perimeter players, you need a guy that can be able to switch in the pick and roll and lock up a player. And, and, And Paul Millsap is just... He's a lockup defender. Of course, his, yeah. Of course, he's gonna he's gonna have to cover for for Jokic's weaknesses on that end. Obviously, his, obviously his, his role is his, super important. His defensive but, rating at one hundred and two is phenomenal. He's a great on ball defender. He's a great off ball defender. I, I, th- I, I think if they if they play like the Clippers in the second round, that's gonna be what's what's great. What I would say about Paul Millsap, though, I guess, is I don't think that his swings in play are ever gonna win or lose you a game. I think the fact that he's there is super important, but I don't think him. He's gonna have an off night where all of a sudden the Denver Nuggets fall apart. He's a floor raiser. So exactly. So he's a floor raiser. So I don't know if I totally agree with that pick. I I I think his role is super important. I wouldn't call him an X factor though. And then just my ceiling raiser, I think it's just Michael Porter Jr. Just because, just because of the scoring value. Because I think just because the problem with the Denver Nuggets team is if it's a close game, Jokic sometimes can't create his own shot and get a bucket. Yeah. Jamal Murray doesn't have he has a play style for it but he doesn't really have as good shot making ability as you should be comfortable with mm-hmm. and so if if you have a lineup out there of like Monte Morris Torrey Craig uh Jokic when he's not really creating a shot and like Jeremy Grant like how like how are you creating shots and so I think I think you're just gonna have to get some like 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 to raise the ceiling you're gonna have to get a lot more difficult shots and i michael porter jr was the only guy who stood out for me michael porter jr i i I think makes sense on paper but he's just not going to get the minutes to be an x factor the unfortunate truth is like he has not played enough this season to do to be up to really much so i see what you're saying but i don't think he's going to get enough minutes to have like a big scoring game that's why i would go with gary harris i think you listed all the reasons to pick gary harris and didn't say his name at any point in your (laughs) spiel but which didn't make sense to me because i think that gary harris when you said you know Okay, the obviously the league, the West Conference is a lot of elite perimeter players. You didn't it, the best perimeter defender on the team is Gary Harris, and instead you went with Paul Millsap as a switchable guy. And Gary Harris, as a 25 year old, has been regressing in his scoring numbers the last couple of seasons, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, he but has not been good this year. When you're talking about a guy who, or so when you're talking about needing a little bit of an extra scoring boost, I think you just have to hope that Gary Harris is gives goes back to like flashes of a couple seasons ago where he was actually. A legit scoring option but this this is his sixth season in the nba it's his yeah. worst since his rookie year so that's so so what i'm saying i guess is like that doesn't make sense like why is he getting worse as he gets older i don't know but i i i think that you have to hope if you're the if you're the denver nuggets that at while his defensive while his defensively he stayed the same maybe even gotten a little bit better offensively he's clearly regressing you just have to hope you can like go back in time a little bit reverse the clock and like put on a show offensively because I don't see the scoring coming from really anywhere else except for maybe like obviously Jamal Murray is going to be super important if he's hitting his shot like he's a streaky shooter Will Barton is another guy who Will, oh, was under I forgot the radar about, I forgot about his Will Barton is really he's a bucket getter he's a bucket getter so like I, I maybe, would, I, I'm switching from him he, yeah if, if, <laughs> Will Barton. if Will Barton explodes a few times it seems on the so deep end, it yeah. seems so deep but anyway I'm going with Gary Harris I think he's the biggest like question mark guy the talent pool in the NBA is just beautiful it, true you, the fact that Will Barton can just slip your memory or you just have like random mm-hmm. awesome guys coming off the bench it's 
phenomenal. We're at a phenomenal place in, in the NBA right now. For the Utah Jazz, I was I was thinking like, okay, where where are there going to be weaknesses? They don't have Bojan Bogdanovic because he's getting surgery. So I was thinking maybe it's Joe Ingles. That that's a probable option. But even mm-hmm. even he he's like usually consistent. Although I will say last year in the playoffs he got a bit cold, but he's usually consistent. And I'm trying to think who's a player who's not necessarily consistent but has the talent and who has a big role. And when Mike Conley is sometimes trash this season and when Donovan Mitchell inevitably gets sloppy in the playoffs which he does mm-hmm. they're going to be relying on Jordan Clarkson Jordan Jordan Clarkson has the shot making ability he has the shot creation ability and I think that they're going to have if they're playing like the Rockets who have an overpowered offense I'm scared that they're not going to be able to put up enough points so that's why I'm going with Jordan Clarkson I don't yeah, I see what you're saying with like the offensive number, but why would you go with Jordan Clarkson over Mike Conley? Because Mike Conley's, I, I feel like Mike I, Conley's just so much more of a proven scorer, and I know that he sucked this season, but it's no, like I I cannot see a scenario in which Mike Conley like is is okay. is good is a good scorer. So maybe you so maybe you pull the Andre Iguodala thing, where like okay, Mike Mike Conley's not gonna have a magical recovery, so I'm not gonna put him. But the X factor to me is like okay, Bojan Bogdanovic is out. Can Mike Conley all of a sudden put on a show? If not say goodbye to the jazz like they're not doing anything yeah in my head i wrote mike conley off okay yeah so so the only reason you can possibly not put mike conley in the, as the x factor is if you're just like already counting him out which i don't think is like totally <laughs> I, fair i think he'll be like so i think he'll so be long. like fine he'll be serviceable i don't think he'll be scoring well, this like, season i wouldn't even call him serviceable this season he's been like marcus smart efficiency yes yes so i th- and marcus smart is sometimes serviceable like, yeah, like, well, he's he only has, serviceable because of his elite defense. Even, like, but even on offense, he's he's sometimes good to have out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So True. I I think Conley will be like fine. He'll be kind of just like I don't know. He'll kind of be like a slightly worse Ricky Rubio. Like he's out there. You're not sorry he's out there really. But uh, who would have thought they were like what is he really grading from Ricky Rubio when they picked up Mike Conley? That's that's tough. Oh yeah, because they crazy. traded Ricky Rubio, to didn't the they? Wow, that's tough. Yeah. All right, <laughs> that is tough. Next up, OKC Thunder. For me, <laughs> this is weird because this is a little bit of a cop out because it's not like anything. Mm-hmm. It's not like any concrete thing, but it's just get it, get it to crunch time. Just get it to crunch time. Just, just extend. Chris the, Paul yeah, is so it, damn good. No, no, time. not even, not even that. Just, yeah. just extend. It's a two part thing. Just extend the game as much as you can to get it close, mm-hmm. and play know your personnel know your personnel as long as you have chris paul dennis schroeder shea and gallinarian you'll you're gonna, put you're gonna win the game i i, I honestly believe like, i think when you get to crunch time you're gonna win the game and no and even even throughout the game it's just about it's just about lineups because pretty much anytime you have uh terrence ferguson in for one of the three guards they're horrible mm. but when you have two of the three guards or three of the three guards in together, their offensive rating is, is like literally obscene. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Remember how I was like, Oh yeah, LeBron has, they, they have an offensive rating of like 112 when LeBron's in the game. And that's yeah. great. The lineup of Chris Paul, Schroeder, Shea Gilders, Alexander, Gallinari, and Steven Adams has a 128. <laughs> and they, they played a lot of minutes together. That's their, what? that's their death lineup. <laughs> And, yeah, okay, and, so, so and I agree way, with your X Factory. You just got to get that lineup on the court. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and their defensive rating, which, like, 
an average one would be like like 107 or something. It's a 98. <laughs> like best lineup of all time. Dude, best lineup. Insane. And by the way, even if you sub out Steven Adams for Nolan's Noel, it's still their offensive rating is still 107 and their defensive rating is still 96, which is also yeah. insane. Dude, that's even so they're even better defensively. Yeah. Yeah. I I um I I would I as my player I put Steven Adams because I was like, well, you just don't want Nerland, you don't want to have to play Nerland's Noel he's over Steven de- Adams. He's good defensively. He's yeah. good defensively. Cuz cuz like Nerlens Noel is, is is actually like pretty solid, but you'd rather have Steven Adams. He's just a better player, and I don't. I'm not worried about their guard rotation because I don't think there's ever a situation where they'll play. They won't be playing two of the three guards together in the playoffs unless it's like a blowout, which honestly bodes very well yeah. for them. Like just looking at the on-off, so, like, looking the, at the like, lineups. There's no reason Terrence Ferguson should even be on the floor over like any two of those three guys. You know. Yeah. So, agreed. Agreed. So like, it, it, for me, it's all about the lineups. I, all about playing I, time. I don't. So it's like it's so weird. Like you're. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Picking a player as an extra doesn't really make sense for them. Like Bleacher yeah. Boys' reasoning for Steve Adams is like, oh, he sucks at free throws, so like you're not gonna be able to play him in crunch time. Like, okay, yeah, okay. I guess. Like that was their reasoning. I was like, okay, like fine, it's better than anything else I can come up with. Um, but uh, yeah, just get if you can get that lineup on the court. All of a sudden, that's like the best lineup ever. Ever. Um, so. <laughs> They played like a yeah, hundred minutes together too. Yeah, man, just, just like, a lot. Get that, get that lineup in the game. It's comically good. All right, give me the Rockets, Houston Rockets. Um, for me, I'm I'm not concerned about their offense. Of course, it's like, oh, if they shoot threes, they'll be good. Like if they if they make threes, they'll be good. Like okay, if if any team shoots well, they'll win. For me, it's like their offense isn't a question mark, mm. and even their rebounding isn't really like I don't really care. I don't really care about their rebounding. To me, it just the defense and obviously they have they have some good defenders on their team russ is a good defender harden has actually been a good defender this year he's like, a better better defender no he, he's year. he's been a pretty solid defender yeah, this year, yeah. mathematically and th- so the problem i have is like okay like who's who's going to guard Jokic? and so i think then you take a play out of my hypothetical clippers playbook yeah this and, is and, and, and and double down and otherwise just go back to what was the year it was like 20 like 2016 or something when the rockets had like the best defense in the league because they were just switched everything i think the switchability with this is ridiculous and they should just go there because they're they're like i don't know like something like 80 pick and rolls running a game it's it's the default and even for the rockets who run less it's still the default yeah um so against other teams just neutralizing the pick and roll like that would be great because because yeah. russ is a good post defender harden's a good post defender they can guard bigs if they need to so just literally switch everything it will make them beat you head on and that's just a huge weapon and the, the difference between now in 2016 is like teams have caught on to the switch everything defense like teams know how to combat that now more um Whereas like now they actually try to expose the switches because kind of it's kind of like it got to the point where everybody picked up that switching defense because it worked so well for like a, for a moment there um but uh, yeah to put that into player form i just named robert covington as the x factor like, yeah okay you he's he's the cornerstone of everything they do in this ultra small ball lineup he's the thing that like makes it all work um so it's it all comes under robert uh, i'll also say the lineup of westbrook harden daniel house jr covington and tucker is very good on defense yeah. very good and yeah. and they're their bench is not as good on defense. Like Eric mm-hmm. Gordon's not really that good of a defender anymore. Austin Rivers is not a good defender. Jeff Green's not a good defender. So I think I'm just relying on if it's crunch time. So you have your best lineup in there. 
they're going to be able to get a stop. And th- right. that's my X factor. For the Dallas Mavericks, this was a, this was a fun one. I did Maxi Kleba. Okay. Because think about it. Think no, about it. Um, no, no Dwight Powell. Yeah. Who, by the way, I was looking at the advanced stats. Dwight, Super Dw- Dwight Powell was ridiculously Super good for the Mavericks yeah. this season. All of their best lineups had Dwight Powell yep. in it. Um, and then uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is also not coming to the bubble. Oh. Yeah, he's not coming so, to the yeah, bubble. So, so yeah. he, Maxi Kleber's going to start. Yep. And, by the way, just, he's... The pick and pop. Well, he would have started over Willie Cauley Stein anyway. But yeah, I I don't know if that's true. He definitely would have. He was getting big minutes this year. Okay. Um, I and think I, like I, I would be surprised if he didn't. He, he, he seems better than Willie Cauley Stein to me. Not, he, same, but I don't know. Two K say says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, we should take two K rating. Yes, we should. Two K is right at, about everything. It's a very good game, Connor. <laughs> um, so, um, I think I think the pick and pop with Luca and Maxi is going to be ridiculous. Get this. I was looking at his his like distribution. Sixty percent of all of his shots, of like all the layups, of all the jumper, every shot mm-hmm. is a catch and shoot three. Maxi Kleba. Sixty percent of his shots are catch and shoot threes. That's that's kind Sounds of insane. Right. So right. I'm saying like he is the play style for it. He's shooting very well on them too. He's yeah. shooting like like high forties on catch and shoot threes. Uh, and like the less he touches the ball, the more efficient he gets. Everything to me was like, oh, do a pick and pop with Maxi and Luca. He can shoot over someone because like his numbers when there's like a defender like two feet away from him are also very good. Mm-hmm. And if you if you if you're like, oh no no no, we're gonna we're gonna play the three on Maxi, then it's like okay, Luca Luca's going to the rim. Good luck, right? Yep. So yep. that that's why I think besides like someone besides Porzingis will need to play big man. Yep, it's gonna be Maxi Kleba. Fair point. I I'm, I can get on board with that. The only other the other name I would throw out there is Tim Hardaway Jr. He's like he's legend, legendary, legendarily streaky guy. <laughs> legendarily, like all time. <laughs> yeah, like all time streak lineup. Um, <laughs> and, and and he's been awesome this year for the Mavericks. Yes. Months he, months he off New could York. change that. Months off could change. He that. left New York. Everyone who leaves New York does well. Yeah, that's that's all I would uh, I would say is like a counterpoint. Uh, for the Grizzlies, I was having a bit trouble with this one. I was like, where, where do I go from here? Like, uh-huh. like, Jay Crowder left, Iggy left, what do I do? And I think just the, for me, it's, it's a path to victory because they're not, they're not getting out of the first round. It's just to get the eight seed. Their mm-hmm. path to victory is a few things. It's keep playing communal basketball, mm-hmm. which they've been doing. Um, and then Jaron Jackson, to me, I just need to see a little bit more. Because he, he he's averaging seventeen points per game, so I don't I don't even know why why see more like I think he's uh, he's doing everything you need him to no, do. No, he's he's not that efficient. Um, he shoots for a big man who's like six ten, six eleven. He only shoots forty seven percent from the field, which is horrible. Could t- he takes all the threes. Yeah, so. but I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that concerned. With I don't that. know. I, I just I want to see the efficiency go and up. Most of I want to see defensively wanna, anyway. You know, I, I want to see him foul less as well. I want to see him foul okay, less. That's a good one. That's a I want to see him foul less, and I want to see him be more efficient from the field. Okay. And then with that, I think they should get the eight seed. Okay. The foul less makes a lot of sense to me. And because the communal ball is great, they're second in assists per game in the league. So I, th- I think if they keep doing that, they know they know what they're good at, mm-hmm. and I think John Moran can do it. John Moran can lead them. I guess the, I sort of was thinking more about the playoffs. I said, um. Like Jonas Valanciunas, um, what he brings offensively is awesome. What he brings defensively is not so good. 
you could get into a situation where if he's getting killed defensively, you need to play both JJJ and Brandon Clark together for huge minutes, and both of them have no playoff experience. And also, uh, JJJ cannot play center. Yeah, like he, he he averages he averages five rebounds a game. So if you get in a situation where you can't really play Jonas Valanciunas, you're in trouble um, because he could get killed a little bit defensively. Yeah. Next up, Portland Trailblazers. At first, I was like, holy crap, they have no one. They literally have no one. Like, they have, they're going to have Dame, they're going to have CJ, they're going to have Melo, they're going to have a sign wide side, and they're going to have a bunch of G League players. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wh- where do I go from this? Like, yeah. you can't do, you, I can't just say like, oh yeah, if Dame scores 45 game, they'll be good. CJ, I don't think CJ has in the tank to just go for like like 30 balls, like most games. And then Hassan is just a rim roller, and and I I know I I refuse to make Melo my X factor. I refuse. So I'm yeah. like I'm like I have, I have no idea where to go. I was this close to going Gary Trent Jr. What? Okay. <laughs> or no 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 like I don't no, think no, no. Thaddeus is like a no easy and, one. and Anthony Simons. And then I was like okay okay let me go to ESPN.com see what's see what's up with their death chart. And I was like oh wait uh, Nurkic and Zach Collins are back. So. Are they definitely back? Yeah, they're back. Or Nurkic is definitely Zach. Pro- Zach Collins is probably. I thought it was like Nurkic was maybe gonna be back. Um, I, I don't know. ESPN I think Bleacher Report put put Nurkic because it was like he might be back, and so the X factor is like Nurkic plays. I thought the obvious one here was Hassan Whiteside. Like really, his mo because everybody questions his motor, him playing for stats over team success. And that becomes all of a sudden way more important in the playoffs. If you go look up Hassan Whiteside's stats on Basketball Reference, which you are doing right now, doing you'll right be like, now. wow, Hassan Whiteside has been awesome this season. His stats look way better than he's actually playing because he cares a lot about his stats. For whatever reason, he cares about money and his own stats. Classic. So, like, if he just doesn't have the motor to be, like, a real playoff winner, right, then, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, are we... I'm not. If I guess I was thinking like Nurkic isn't gonna be back and Hassan Whiteside is the starter, but but I don't I don't see like Jaron Jackson. I don't see a way for him to average like 19. Like like what what well, what the is X, the change that you want? The X factor is that like he doesn't care that much. Maybe you know like so is is the X factor him caring? Kind of yeah. It's like it's like apply yourself, dude. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like stop just going for blocks and actually play defense. That's like the X factor. Okay. And if you can, if he like does that in the playoffs, then all of a sudden he's like, he can be really good. I don't. For me, it was just like, where are their points coming from? And I was like, oh, Nurk, well, Dame I, and CJ. Like that's that's your answer. No, it's what's no, been in every playoffs. I know, but that's not enough. They're gonna they're gonna be averaging a combined sixty maybe, and then you have Hassan Whiteside pouring in sixteen. You have Mel, you have Mello pouring in like thirteen, and like where where that's like that's like like eighty points per game. I, like, I don't want to tell you they'll make it happen because they have Damon CJ on the offensive end. Like, it's it's Because you could have said that about last year, too. Um, now they also had Nurkic. Like, I don't know if you're counting Nurkic also. Like, also, I think Nurkic is quite good. I think the question is their defense because nobody that we just named is remotely good defensively <laughs> except for, like, Hassan Whiteside, who averaged a lot of blocks but, like, doesn't really play defense. Team defense, at least. Um, give me the Pelicans, though. Okay, the Pelicans, I, I actually, I watched, or I looked at the Bleach Report article over here, and I, without without knowing, I copied them. Oh, wait, last thing on the Blazers. This is a quote from Terry Stotts, their coach. Um, 
I told Nurk that he's the Nurk I remember playing at both ends of the floor. So I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I think he'll be back. Okay. Anyways, the Pelicans. I just put Zion Williamson, which is so boring. Yeah. But like uh, I I literally their their goal is making the playoffs. I see no other player that matters. I see no other player that like oh yeah you know if Lonzo starts going on oh, they're gonna make the play oh Josh Hart yeah. And and for like I for me I think like Brandon Ingram's like a buck getter. We know what we're gonna get from him. Derek Favors is changing nothing. Drew Holiday, like I, I don't know. I feel like he's he's very important. I maybe you just say like you know what you're gonna get also, but that's not the player I have. I I'll throw mine at you. JJ Redick. Okay, that's JJ a good one. Redick has been in the playoffs like every season of his career. <laughs> that's funny. And when he gets there, you just run JJ Redick off screens and he's knocked down. And and so. I see a situation where JJ Redick has, you know, five games, or maybe I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of the playoffs too. So out of the eight games, let's say JJ Redick has three games where he just hits like, you know, four threes in one quarter. Like he just gets like super hot for a quarter. That changes the whole game. So when you have three to like 20 point guys, like it's pretty consistent 20 point guys, and Drew Zion and BI, and then you add on like for any at any moment. Um, JJ Redick could just get hot and light you up. That's a really hard team to stop defensively. And so I think that JJ Redick could surprisingly decide a few games for them just with his three point shooting if he got hot. Um, and so I think that an X factor could be just like JJ Redick explodes for like two games. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Just if, for me, I couldn't get past Zion because like I, like I tried to make this niche. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if Zion plays like a top 15 bubble player. They're gonna make the playoffs. If he doesn't, they won't. That that's that's my bottom line. Yep. Okay. Um, I can respect that. Okay. Uh, Sacramento Kings. By the way, this reminder: follow us on Instagram at Space Floor Podcast and on Twitter Space the Floor. Um, now, Sacramento Kings. This this was my. Uh, you had something earlier where it's like uh, I, I think maybe that with the Clippers, it's like just be good on defense. Or no, it was the Celtics. It was like just be good centers. Yeah. And that reminded me of the Kings. So I'm like, <laughs> starting lineup, <laughs> please play defense. <laughs> like, please play defense. Because I'm looking at I'm looking at all their all their lineups, all their offensive ratings, all their defensive ratings, across the board. With with Fox, Barnes, Buddy Heald, and interestingly enough, Nemanja Bialica. Yeah. They're they're so good on offense, and then they're so bad on defense. Mm. This across the board in every metric in, in in field goal percentage in in opponent field goal percentage in offensive rating in defensive rating, and there's just no way to get around. I'm like, okay, maybe like if the starters like get better on offense, like no, they're like actually very good on offense. It's like okay, yeah, m- maybe maybe the bench can pull some slack. I'm like, no one here is improving their game. Let me throw at you. I think my X factor would be their pace. The pace they play but at. But that's... They're not going to change that. They're not going to change that. The playoffs changes that. The playoffs we makes saw, it slower. Exactly. What the, what we saw, what, we, the, what we've been talking about all season is Luke Walton slowed down the Sacramento Kings and made them worse. Yes, yes. The playoffs only make the game slower, and I think they're only going to get worse. And so if they yeah. all... If they... if I think the pace is going to be the defining aspect of the Sacramento Kings, and they're just going to not be able to do anything because defensively they're going to kill and offensively they're not going to be able to do anything to make up for it because they're going to be playing too slowly i think that's the story of the sacramento kings and in, in the yeah, i'm just i'm begging it's them the to play defense also i hope marvin bagley's good he's probably gonna be back um what was up with him Is he injured yeah he's been injured the entire season uh, yeah. um so, so spurs 
okay, I was saying, my, my original one, I did so much research on this, I was like, okay, so, let's see, like, Marcus Aldridge needs to be a high-volume scorer, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I, did, I did my homework, I was like, okay, so, can he be, can he be a vo- high-volume scorer, uh, like, how long does he usually hold on to the ball, what are his percentages when he holds on to the ball for, like, one to two seconds versus two to six seconds versus over six seconds, yeah. and across the board, he got less efficient when he hold, when he held on to the ball longer and when he dribbled longer. That's true for everybody, though, isn't no, it? No, not necessarily. Um, and so uh, there was a player uh, I forget. I'll come back to that. But there, there's a player who. Oh, De- speaking of which, yes, uh, Demar Derozan, on the other hand, gets much more efficient when he holds on to the ball longer. Mm. Um, and actually, I, I, I don't know if he gets, yeah, I don't know if he gets more efficient, but his his shot distribution is so disgusting. <laughs> it's so disgusting. So okay. Read so anyways, anyways, my, my original thing was like Lamarcus Aldridge, but he's not going to the bubble. Found that on the way here. So before the episode, uh-huh. I did a bit of research. I was like, okay, let's take a look at Tamar DeRozan, and so and so. Like most players, most of their scoring is is less than two seconds when holding the ball. Demar Derozan only, only eighteen percent of his shots come from when he holds the ball for for eighteen seconds or less, or when he holds the ball for two seconds or less. Okay, okay, eighteen seconds. No. I was like, you're gonna yeah. use half the shot. Yes. No. When he when he uses when he does it for two seconds or less. That that's usually <laughs> the majority of player shots. So, oh my god. So, thirty nine percent of Demar Derozan's shots he takes after holding the ball for over six seconds. Which, yeah, th- by the lot. way, that's a lot. for context, usually for players, it's like 10. Usually for, it's like 10. And DeMar DeRozan, uh, it's, it, it was just so disgusting. For like 40% of his shots are from are between 2 and 6 seconds. So bottom line, he holds the ball for a freaking long time. Yeah. yeah. Like a disgustingly amount of, of long time. So what's, so what's the X factor? The, I guess the X factor is just like... Don't hold it for that long or do hold it for that long? I was thinking... Give him a lot of ice opportunities or like you got to move it? No, honestly, I think like... Let okay. him let him do it because if you go to like his efficiency, he's reasonably efficient at, at when he holds the ball for six mm. seconds, and I see no other path to scoring a lot of points other than force yeah. feeding Demar Derozan. So, because well, my X factor is either Pop has to work some magic to get them easier shots, yeah, they're like the rest of the Spurs, or let Demar Derozan just try to be really good again. I guess the the question I have is like that feels a little bit like anti Spurs because know, it was yeah. like you know the Tim Duncan days. It was a lot of like ball move. It was we would talk about the Spurs ball movement. It's like okay, it it seems it seems quite contrary to that to be like okay, give it give this guy the ball for eight seconds and then he's gonna take a shot. It's yeah. like you know the like something like that. But if I mean, that's but, what but works. Then again, this season they've been doing it. 30, yeah. 30, like one third of DeMar DeRozan's shots come when he's taking seven plus dribbles. Dude, I trust Pop, so he'll figure it out. Yeah. Like his X Factor is, is Pop, figure it out. <laughs> Please just try to be good. I'll be so sad if they if they don't. Um, I it's seeming make it's seeming pretty unlikely to be honest. It with is. You. It is. And well, so last up, this was also hella sad because I did so I did, I wrote like a mini essay on how on how Kelly Oubre can be this, like, ISO score, like, hyper-efficient score mm-hmm. in the bubble, and that's how the Suns will rise to the top. And then and then I just, like, checked ESPN, and it's like, oh, yeah, Kelly Oubre is getting surgery. He's not playing. I was like, what? Dang. And so that was hella sad. I, I might make that into another video just because I did so much research. So anyways, I guess, I guess my other answer is Dario Saric. 
just because I'm looking at the rotation, I'm like, sure. okay, who's good, who's underplaying? The only answer is really Dario Sarch, because, like, maybe... maybe I think Dario Sarch gotten worse, though. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. but so is Gary Harris. Yeah, okay? but... So, so it's like revivaled from Dario Sarch, like the Mike Conley thing yeah, or whatever. The, like, yeah, yeah that, okay. that's the only... That's the only way. I feel like no one else has room for growth, right? I feel like no, sure. Mikhail Bridges isn't, isn't going to go off the dribble. Hey, don't doubt, <laughs> don't doubt my Villanova boy. Yeah, like I don't, I don't see like Frank Kaminsky's not doing anything. <laughs> Goes back to College Player of the Year, Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. Yes. At Wisconsin. Yeah. No, so I don't. I don't really see anything. <laughs> the Phoenix there. Suns don't deserve an X Factor. <laughs> we know what we're getting. They're gonna win. <laughs> They're gonna come in last. Watch, in the watch them win the bubble, like like win the AC now. Yeah, uh, whatever. I don't even think you need an X factor for the Suns. X factor for Suns is they made it this far. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's a good one. <laughs> what like when was the last time the the Phoenix Suns played in August? Maybe maybe DeAndre Never. <laughs> maybe DeAndre Ayton explodes like he's back from you know like suspension. He's gotten better. I don't know. Like, like this is just us being nice to Suns fans. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 giving the Spurs, like it's like giving the Wash the Wizards, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, th- this was fun. <laughs> I'm was very fun. excited to watch some bubble with you. For sure, for sure. We're almost there. We'll have a we'll have a bubble FaceTime date. This is this has happened before. <laughs> do it do it with all your friends. <laughs> yes, do it with all your friends. Let us know on on Instagram and Twitter. And for thank sure. you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Follow us on Instagram at Space Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this, subscribe. Mm-hmm. And thank you for watching. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flutter. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to the bubble. <laughs>